0: previously on the Dave and Steve show. And so she said, uh, yeah, my feet hurt. I need to get some new shoes. And I was like, Hey, let's go, let's go shoe shopping. And then I realized, uh, that I'd become that,
1: um, Sunday it, it started to grow
0: and Oh, gotcha.
2: Got okay.
1: And then, and Monday it, it was big. So, you know, today we record these things on Thursday and it, it, it's definitely bigger um it's it's further along my you know my body so we were
0: gonna we were talking about doing a naked show or at least one in our underwears not be lewd. yeah and, uh, we could get a good look at each other that way when something's up we say hey you may you may want to get that one looked at.
2: You got to go out into the woods, you got to squawk and squeak different things, you got to blow into different things, you got to spray piss everywhere to try and attract things.
1: About the time it got, uh, oh, I don't know, uh, three meters from my face, I could tell that uh, something was wrong. Like either the duck had like a a false leg or something, but uh, turns out the whole thing was wood.
2: We all we did was talk about buttholes and dicks the entire episode. Like it was
1: I uh I got it in me.
2: Um and on me. Boned and ready to go. <laughs> Show number forty-two of the Dave and Steve Show. I am Dave, sitting right alongside me. a here, twenty-seven miles away, is Steve. Hi. And from parts unknown, the lovely and buxom Tracy.
0: That's well, pretty pretty exciting tonight. We have such a great show.
2: We do. It was not without uh, it was not without issues. Uh, the software we use to typically set up the meetings that we use to record these shows is having issues tonight. So we had to find alternatives and wouldn't you know it, it was on the night when we had a very special guest uh, coming up very shortly. We're going to have Jason Robel and the interview we conducted with him. If you don't know anything about Jason, Jason is a vegan chef. He's hosted shows on food network. He's got a YouTube channel that is, is it's based on vegan uh, eating and recipes and things of that nature, but he's got such a great sense of humor uh, that it's, it's not what you would expect from what is he's ultima.
0: not your uh, garden variety vegan.
2: That's right. That's right. It's... And, and as you'll hear in the interview, I didn't find him through his vegan recipes or anything like that. Cause I'm about as far from vegan as you can get. I found him a very different way and we'll explain once we get to the interview, but uh, really awesome guy. And I hope we have him back on the show, Steve. I, I hope I, I'm hoping that when we have him back on, you can pick his brain a little bit more about the stand up comedy. Cause you've obviously dipped your toes in it. Jason is now dipping his toes in it and it would be great just to hear you guys uh you know talk shop. It,
1: it was it was fun just talking to him about uh about everything. I mean just getting to So he and I were in um he, he and I were in a, a an alternate reality because the the software that we used to usually record the show um we are uh, it's it's our it's our space that we always meet in. Well, it just so happened that I clicked the link and Jason clicked the link and we ended up in our own place. And that um that was fun. We were talking, we were just wondering where you guys were. He literally thought I was recording the podcast and we were just doing Yeah. <laughs> we were just talking. It was it was a lot of fun talking to him like that. Now, during the interview, I'm pretty quiet until like the middle. Like I don't say much at all because he and I had already like we we were done with each other. We we didn't have anything else to talk about. Yeah. So <laughs> you guys uh, are
0: gonna get an apartment together, I think, aren't you?
1: Maybe.
2: We're gonna get an apartment and work
1: on stand up.
2: Tracy, okay. hearing hearing Steve explain the how they got into the separate room together and everything was like my dad trying to explain Facebook to me. It was the exact <laughs> same <laughs>
0: Well, you see everybody, everybody's on there. Oh, they're, yeah. They're, they're okay.
2: Let's let's get to the interview with Jason. I want to make sure we get to this. So everybody take a listen. Uh, I think you're going to like what you hear. He's a very energetic, uh, funny guy. Uh, and he's got a lot to say. So here's our interview with Mr. Jason Robel. Our guest tonight is the best-selling author of the Hay House cookbook and lifestyle guide, Eternity. As the first ever plant-based chef with a primetime television series, his groundbreaking show, How to Live to 100, on Cooking Channel and Food Network Canada, taught millions of people how to prepare delicious, organic, healthy meals at home. Described as the love child of Jim Carrey and Elton Brown, he infuses his live events, videos, and teachings with a relentless drive to grow and a lighthearted, joyful approach to health and wellness. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the Dave and Steve Show, Mr. Jason Robel. Yay! Yeah! Wow. It's good to be here, gents. Thanks for that great intro, man. That was mighty i wrote that for you that's uh, that's my gift to you uh, excellent copywriting excellent J- jason copywriting. jason wrote that and gave it to me but uh so for, for those of you listening at home right now just so you know this is this could not have been a more smooth start to an interview in the entire history of podcasting as far as i know uh
0: yeah and we are known for good starts but this one was uh was really one of the better ones even, we, so. we have
2: had a few technical problems so jason i'm um, thank you for being a good sport and thank you for sticking with us I, I want to get right into things, and what I want to ask you first of all, because this is, I mean, having seen your videos, having looked at your website, having kind of gone through everything, more than anything, I'm always just fascinated by how do you get a show on Food Network? How does that happen? What made you head down that path? Like, take us through that, please. Yeah, man. I, I like to joke that I'm the uh, the
3: Justin Bieber of the culinary world. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> because because uh, I was discovered on YouTube. Uh, back in 2009, I remember uh, my very first publicist was like, oh, you, you gotta get on this YouTube thing. It's been around for like three and a half years and and, and video is gonna be the next big thing. And at that point, I mean, what what, what was I on? Like, uh, I think I even still had a MySpace account for God's right. sake. Yeah. It was like right. MySpace, yeah. Facebook, and Twitter, right? Yeah. And then YouTube had already been around since like 05, so this publicist is, is like, you're, you're hilarious, you're weird. You do these great cooking demos. You got to film this shit. So I get on YouTube and uh, a few years later, I'm lecturing at this conference, uh, doing some cooking demos. I was like making a lasagna recipe or something. And uh, one of the producers of, the, of, of that conference was like, hey, my daughter is this TV producer. She's looking for a, a new chef to do this cooking series. Uh, is there something I can show her? So I'm like, yeah, go to my YouTube channel. So this director-producer goes to my YouTube channel and she's like, whoa, you're totally, you're, you're kind of a whack job, but we like you. You've got great energy. You're weird. <laughs> yeah. right. uh, you make tangential pop culture references while you're cooking. You do impressions. It's great. Let's do something. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I the YouTube channel kind of parlayed into this interest from this production company called Crazy Legs that's based out of Atlanta and New York City. And, um, and we came up with this concept and we, we initially pitched it to Animal Planet. Because at that time, this was like 2011, Animal Planet was looking for chefs to do concepts uh, for cooking that didn't use animals. I'm right. like, okay, right. well, okay. that's me, you know? So we we we, we did this initial uh, treatment, and we actually shot a sizzle for Animal Planet. And when we submitted it, they went, we, we really like him, but he's not um, – He's not lumberjacky enough.
1: <laughs>
3: oh, that was the yeah. words that I was like, "That's true." I'm. De- I mean, yeah. I have flannel, but I have never chopped down a tree with an axe <laughs> yeah. in my life. Yeah. <laughs> I would chainsaw. I mean, I've used a chainsaw, but I've never chopped a tree down with an axe. So I was like, "I'm definitely not a lumberjack." So we're gonna skip. So uh, fast forward, the sizzle reel and the concept got to the hands of a uh, cooking channel and Food Network, and we got a pilot shot. Uh, the pilot aired. It was one of the the most watched pilots in the history of cooking channel. And we got greenlit for a, uh, for a season and uh, man, it was a wild ride. It was a trip. Yeah. It was a trip being, be, being on TV. And I, you know, I remember like being at my mom's house in Detroit and my whole family's there and we're watching. And it was one of the most surreal moments of my life.
2: So, so now take us back just a, a step further. So what was, because it sounds like even when that, like when the trigger was pulled on that, because you talked about the shows that didn't involve animals and all that, it sounds like you have been a vegan for a very long time. Am I correct in that?
3: Yeah, man. It's it's funny because like, I, I feel like it's such a, it's such a loaded word to begin with because uh, most of the time, you know, when people hear the word vegan, they're like, asshole. It's like a synonym <laughs> yeah. of asshole. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. I, no, I'm okay. I'm safe. I'm not, I'm right. not a judgmental prick. I'm not going to tell you that you're destroying the world. You're taking babies away from their mothers yeah. if you eat veal you are you yeah. are if you eat veal you're an asshole. yeah uh kidding <laughs> but <True. what laughs> most people associate the word vegan <laughs> i do people who eat veal i'm like you know that was a tiny baby yeah. cow but anyway uh i i'm like the least judgmental dude in the world but but the whole reason i went vegan a long time ago man i mean i i i started changing my diet back in the mid 90s when my grandfather was dying of cancer and uh and my whole initial pull to do this and and by the way in the 90s in detroit you may as well be (laughs) an alien with three anuses growing out of your forehead. Like a a vegan in Detroit in the nineties, people didn't even know what the hell it was. They're like, are you in a cult? What the fuck is this? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I I initially did it because um, of the health issues that I saw in my family, cancer, diabetes, things that I was eating like shit. I was eating just, you know, processed food, tons of, and don't get me wrong. I didn't become vegan because meat doesn't taste good. Bacon is like one of the most incredible things that flavor wise that's ever been created. <laughs> yeah. Right. But for me, I just noticed that the the heavy uh, amount of meat and processed food and sugar and dairy and all that stuff, my family was eating, it was not leading to a good place. So sure, I initially, man, I just did it as an experiment. I didn't plan on doing it. And I remember very clearly, there was a, a moment when I was 20 years old, I'm standing in my mom's kitchen in Detroit. I said, mom, I really got to tell you something. I don't don't know how you're going to feel about this. I'm nervous to tell you she, and I could sense, she's like, are you going to come out right now? I'm like, no, no, no. I mean, I am as a vegan, I'm going to come out (laughs) as a vegan. She's like, Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's cool. Great, great, great. So, um, you know, initially I didn't get a ton of pushback, but man, you know, doing it in the nineties again in Detroit, it was like, I, I, I was just making it up as I went. I didn't really know what I was doing, but, um, I, I did it for health reasons initially. And then, you know, as I went on, I, I learned more about the environmental benefits and reducing the carbon and the methane and all that stuff. But, yep. um, but it was a so, tough learning curve in the beginning, man. It was a tough learning curve.
0: Well, right. Cause you're um, you are truly a pioneer there. Right. And there were far fewer options. And so you are, you were creating a lot of those. One of the things that you said that really in a, in a video, you talked about the emotional health, that you were kind of dealing with and depression. And I think when we started this show and we, when we, when we brought it back together, we were actually just, we wanted to stay positive. We wanted to try to um, allow people in a really tough year to, to find a way to be positive. And so you found, you found emotional health benefits in this too, that I think I've heard so many times that people are saying that we're stuck at home, we're in a lockdown and so, all the worst habits of exercise and, and, and food are now just exa- uh, exaggerated. So, tell me a little bit like about those emotional benefits you found in just like changing food.
3: Yeah, thanks for that great question, Tracy. Um, I have struggled with and was diagnosed with clinical depression many, many years ago. And uh, you know, just to be totally real with you guys, you know, it's it's something that from time to time I still struggle with. And um, you know, I've dealt with suicidal ideation, a lot of anxiety disorders. It's it's been a rough go for me, but I, I have noticed that that I've noticed with my body, and also looking at research, there's a really great book out there called The Inflamed Mind, and it makes a really interesting connection between inflammatory foods and mental health. And this is something that that really isn't discussed a lot. I have two really good friends that are psychotherapists, uh, Ariana and Ella, and I remember talking to them recently about their schooling and their practice as therapists. And they said, yeah, you know, we, we in school and even now as professionals, we don't ever really talk about nutrition. We don't talk about the link between what we're putting in our bodies and mental health disorders. And there's more and more research being done around, you know, inflammatory foods, you know, tons of sugar, tons of processed foods, right. uh, tons of trans fats, uh, eating a lot of acidic foods and how that inflammation not only affects, you know, arthritis in our joints, but it literally can inflame our brains. So for me, it's just been a a thing of, you know, the less sugar I eat, the less processed foods I eat, they kind of call it clean eating. To me, it's just like, eat as natural and unprocessed as as possible. Whether you're vegan or you're meat eater or you're paleo, my big thing is like, I don't push veganism on anyone. I just say, look, if you can eat as natural as possible, it's going to have a dramatic effect in your body and especially your mental health. So I've noticed the cleaner I eat, the less junk I eat. I I feel better mentally.
2: So that's a huh. I mean that's a pretty you know monumental task for somebody who is cause we've all we've all been there we've all been in the in this sort of grasp of eating like shit having that that dependency on whatever it is sugar or those carbs and the moment you drop them you're you're angry you hate it so you go back to it again then you feel even worse and we get in that cycle. If you had one one thing that somebody could change today to sort of start them down because you're i mean i think a lot of people a lot of times feel like they're trying to boil the ocean when you have this like i am now going to start eating clean when my entire life i've eaten spaghettios and pizza now they need to start making those changes and what i've found is that if you can make that one change and you can stick to that and you get used to it and then you layer something else on etc etc it becomes a snowball so what is the what would be the sort of starting point for people
3: I mean, I I encourage people and I've always encouraged people to do it very gradually. I think that there's a a lot of mentality, especially the start of the new year, you know, or even the first few months of the year is people are so gung-ho about making all these changes. You know, I got my resolutions. I got to change my diet. I got to go. Gyms aren't open around here. I got to buy a treadmill or or a Peloton (laughs) or whatever it is. And, you know, people have this list of like 10 really tough things. That they try and take on, and and I think the, one of the reasons a lot of people fail is because they try and do too much too quickly. They, they stack this sandwich so high they can't possibly wolf it down. And for me, I've just noticed that gradual change and slow substitution is the thing that tends to stick over a long time. And and you know, like I said, when I started making this transition back in the '90s, I didn't go cold turkey. It took me about right almost four years. To go from oh. heavy junk food, heavy processed foods, tons of meat and dairy every single day, to all right, you know what? I'm gonna take the junk out, I'm gonna eat less sugar, I'm gonna eat less processed, I'm gonna take out maybe some of the, you know, the 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 heavier grilled meats and stuff like that. See how I feel. And I just felt better and better and better. But over that three to four year process, I just did it very slowly. And and the big thing for me too was this is such a maybe kind of a tired trope, but everyone's like, where are you going to get your protein? You're going to die. You're going to yeah. waste away. <laughs> yeah. So for me, I I had to do the research though, right? Of if I start taking meat as an example out or cheese or things like that, well, where am I going to get my calcium? Where am I going to get the protein? Where am I going to get the B vitamins? Where yeah. am I going to get my D3? Where am I going to get my omega fatty acids? So I didn't go to school for nutrition, but I, I kind of may as well have because I'm so hardcore about reading nutritional studies and, and, and learning what I can do to be healthy. And, um, you know, so I'm going on 23 years now and I, I, I haven't dropped dead yet. So <laughs> no, um, you I, did think, it. I, I think, gra- I think gradual though, Dave, to your, to your point is just, man, you got to go slow and steady and really listen to your body. I think a lot of people have an idea of, I, you know, I, I'm going to go vegan. I'm going to go paleo. I'm going to do keto and they're fixated on it, but they're not paying attention to whether it's actually right for their body.
2: Yeah. And yeah. I think
3: that's so important is to not be so uh, intellectual or cerebral about this. Like if you're doing keto or paleo or vegan or whatever the case is, or just trying to eat healthier and, and it's really not working for you. Don't be afraid to make adjustments. Like don't be so fixated on being this thing that you're ignoring to what your body's telling you.
0: Well, I think there's so many things though. I think when we talk about the way your body reacts to certain foods, particularly about like um, hormones and other things that like are not at, not not signaling to your brain that like you're full right so in some ways when you're eating garbage and you just can't stop eating because you're just constantly hungry you learn to not trust what your body's telling you because you're saying like hey i need to look like him he's got awesome tattoos he's thin he's got tons of energy and you do by the way listeners need to know that he all those things um and then like but it's like but my body's telling me something different and I can't listen to my body because my body wants me to be something else. And so it's really hard to know.
3: I agreed, and, and I think it's too, because there's, I mean, look, food is an addiction for a lot of people. It's It's not only a chemical addiction because you're getting the dopamine, right? You get the right. sugar, you get the fat and dude, sugar and fat is amazing. As a yeah. chef, I love yeah. sugar and fat, but we have to realize that um, in a lot of cases, we are, we get easily, very easily chemically addicted to certain foods. Yeah. For and me, it's designed-
0: cocaine, but I understand what you're saying. Yes.
3: I like to powder my donuts with cocaine, by the way. That's a yeah. really popular thing here in LA. That's a good, that's Shock. a vegan,
1: <laughs> it's a vegan trick, right? It's, uh, cocaine's <laughs> vegan,
3: except, you know, yeah. all the migrant workers that were killed getting it across the border. Um, they, they, and the they donkeys fall that were their- shot. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. My, my, actually my father used to import drugs back in the seventies and man, you you can't really pull those tricks on planes anymore. The FAA is, (laughs) is, um, yeah. Yeah, No, actually the best trick right now is, uh, is foreskin is smuggling with foreskin.
2: Oh, I thought you were saying smuggling foreskins. No,
3: no, no, okay. Although uh, purportedly they're great in beauty products. Yeah. I guess they're a great emollient. <laughs> Just uh, bringing oh, uh, a
2: bag of foreskins onto a plane, nobody I'm says making, anything. Are people yeah. smoking
1: foreskins now? I feel so old right now.
2: <laughs> it's, all the kids on TikTok are doing it, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh
3: my God. They're, they're making so, breaded foreskin calamari. It's the latest rage.
1: <laughs> oh my God, that looks like calamari. <laughs> all right, so, um, so I, I did want to, I wanted to go back. So when, when you were asked, like, you know, gradual change, um, what really gave me hope was when you said four years, that is a schedule I could stick to. Like if you said, do it over the course of a month, Mm-mm. but four years, I mean, I can, I, th- I mean, that really, that seems slow and steady enough reasonable that I can make that kind of shift you know, if I, um, if I want to, I, I am interested um, in knowing what, and you may have addressed this, you know, in your show or, or some of your videos, but um, the new uh, manufactured meats, is that too processed or is it, um, is it that hot? So my family's been eating some of that impossible meat. um, And we've been, and we've really been enjoying it and replacing, you know, meat sauces and tacos and stuff like that and we've really found it to be quite good and they say it's plant-based but it you got to do a lot of stuff to that to make it look and taste like it does so I mean does is is the balance too much or like where does that fall
3: yeah it's a great question Steve um you know I I will eat uh i I don't even know what you want to call them the scientific term is like a meat analog but that's just sounds so like yes we are wanting to consume the meat analogs like the humans do just such a clunky term um and fake meat is a weird term too but you know with the two big players right now are are, you mentioned impossible and beyond meat and you know they're extremely well-funded companies um my whole thing is this uh ideally do i think heavily processed foods are the best for people no do i think that these have a role though in taking away some of the uh, damage that that mass scale factory farming is doing but here's the thing you know we need to make a distinction i think between uh people who say go out hunting or raise their animals on their 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 family farm and whatnot Versus sure. these giant CAFOs, these concentrated feeding right. operations that are slaughtering hundreds of billions of animals every year. It's a big difference, mm-hmm. right? And if right. we look at the water usage, we look at the toxicity, the soil erosion, a lot of the pollution that's happening from these giant KFOS. It's 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 really not a sustainable thing for 8 billion people on the planet to keep harvesting and growing and killing yep. hundreds of billions of animals. Whether, whether you are vegan or not, we we have to agree like that's not a... For humanity to go forward, that's not a, a sustainable thing we can do. Soaps don't work. Yeah. They just don't. They they really really don't. And we're giving up too much of our resources and crops to feed those animals. And it, it's just a really kind of negative, depleting life cycle with that operation. But on that sense, Steve, I think that things like Beyond Meat and Impossible are are beneficial because they're reducing our dependence and the wasting, I believe, of these resources on these giant KFO you know slaughterhouse operations. From a human health standpoint, look, they're they're high in protein. They're high in B vitamins. They're very nutritious. But yeah, I mean, for instance, Impossible, right? One of the reasons it tastes so good is they were able to genetically they, modify. That, no, no, no,
1: don't ruin this for me. No,
3: no, no it's, 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 not, it's, it's, it's honestly not disgusting. I'm not going to say it's got like, you know. It's like when your health teacher
0: is teaching you about <laughs> sex and then you're like, uh, oh,
3: gosh. So this is the cloaca, Stephen. The cloaca is where the cloaca is actually a marvel of biological engineering, but we won't talk about cloacas. Um it's animals that have sex and shit out of the same hole by the way. Um, yeah. That's what a oh, we
1: talked is. about that. We literally, we literally talked about that last episode.
3: Did you cloacus? Um, Perfect. Look. Well, a,
1: a dinosaur cloaca. Yeah,
0: <laughs> uh, yeah that's so, uh, that happened.
3: Um, it's, I was going to say... we called
1: it a multi-purpose hole. <laughs>
3: Perfect. So, MPH, yeah. MPH, yeah. miles per hour. No, not miles per hour. Multi-purpose <laughs> right. hole. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The the impossible. It's not disgusting at all. The reason it tastes so good, okay, is because they 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 found a way to isolate. And modify the heme iron molecule. So there's different types of iron, right? There's there's mm-hmm. iron that's in plants, there's iron that's in meat. Heme, H-E-M-E iron, is a very specific molecular iron that's specific to meat. Beef, pork, chicken, etc. So they found a way to isolate this heme iron molecule and put it in the impossible meat which is why it tastes so freaking good and they literally that, took yeah. the heme iron gene and put it in there that so in, technically it's genetically modified
2: it also has 36 servings of sodium in every patty which also helps there's there's a lot of salt in there
3: salt sugar fat man yeah. i mean look look yeah.
2: people are like how
3: do you make food taste so good how do you make <clears throat> these plants taste so good i'm like um, salt oil and sugar man yeah. it's, <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. not it's not that tough <laughs> yeah well,
1: that's, that's good. That's good to know. Um, I, we've really, we've really enjoyed it and we like it. So I, I, I get what you're saying about um, how it's a, it's a, it's a vehicle um, to get you someplace else, maybe.
3: Um, I, I, th- I think so, ultimately, because for me, okay. I know if I, if I eat a bunch of processed food all day long, you know, you get that temporary high, you feel good. And then for me though, like maybe an hour later when I'm digesting it, I just kind of don't feel that great. Yep. And, uh, it kind of sucks because you know, there's a, there's a, like I said before, I mean, I, I, I didn't stop giving up meat and processed food because it didn't taste good. It tastes it it tastes amazing for a reason, but mm-hmm. I just realized that man, after that four year transition, if I would go back to eating that stuff, I didn't feel good afterward. Yeah. You know, I just yeah. felt like crap. And to to me that was the bottom line i didn't have a goal to become vegan like i said it wasn't like i'm right. going to i'm going to be this thing and and be chastised and be a pariah in detroit yep that wasn't <laughs> my goal but i just realized that after 4 years of making this transition i was like well damn i'm not eating that stuff anymore and i feel amazing if you uh, if you
2: ever do a comedy album it's got to be called detroit pariah now detroit, oh dude that's a great that's a great <laughs> band name too the detroit pariahs yeah. that's yeah. a kick ass yeah. name yeah yeah so speaking that of com- go, go for hawk. S- speaking of comedy <laughs> albums, I wanted so believe it or not, Jason. The way I found you was not through your show. It was not through your YouTube channel. It was not through your cookbooks. It was not through all of these things that you do. I found you from your stand-up video on YouTube, and I guess that's technically through your channel. But it's not the typical. I didn't go there looking for healthy eating alternatives or vegan recipes. I was literally looking for new comedians and people who had I I have always been fascinated with people who have the courage to get up on stage at an open mic and perform and so I love looking at and I never see it I'm I'm not looking because I want to see people bomb even if they do I still really commend them for getting up there right. and even trying it in the first place and so tremendous courage yes. <clears throat> correct and so I I found you via that and what I was amazed by is To my knowledge, that was video of your first stand-up performance ever, and the comments underneath, which is not the way YouTube's supposed to work, the comments underneath were nothing but positive. They were, man, this was really great. I laughed several times, and you could tell they're not feeding you lip service because the crowd was laughing and reacting as well, and so I'm curious you, you know, we talked at the beginning of the show, like we're all roughly around the same age. We're all roughly around the same stage in life. What made you at this point say, I want to try that out?
3: It was, uh, probably one of the biggest bucket list items for me of something that I had thought about for so many years, because, uh, back in, back in college, I actually, uh, initially went in for, uh, for theater. I was an actor and, uh, I was living in Chicago. I had moved to Chicago uh, when I was 21 and and I was doing improv there. I was working with um, some of the guys at Second City, auditioned for Second City, was doing improv around Chicago and always loved improv. Just, you know, making stuff on the spot, pulling stuff out of your ass. It, very exciting. Yeah. Very fun. But i had never done stand-up. And it was interesting because it was this bucket list thing of like, well, I've done improv and I've been decently successful with what I've done at improv. I wonder if that'll translate. And it yeah it kind of does but but stand-up is a totally yes. different beast it's a completely different beast and learning how to structure a joke how to use body language timing inflection how to structure a set was totally just foreign to me so through some interesting serendipity a fellow chef friend of mine was we were just at a dinner party having a conversation. I, I told her, yeah, you know, I, I really want to do stand-up. I'm going to be turning 40 soon. If I don't do this before I die, yeah. I'm going to be pissed at myself. She said, one of my best friends is a stand-up comedy teacher. I was like, holy shit. So she hooked <laughs> me up with a guy here in LA who has a stand-up comedy school. His name is Jerry Katzman. Shout out to Jerry Katzman. Incredible comedian. And I went to this this four-month boot camp with him. And he just, man, he he's a good teacher, but he was tough. You know, he, he he's... He's not the kind of guy that's gonna, you know, jerk your gherkin. He's, yeah, he, yeah, he yeah. just tells it to you like it is. So that performance was a bit was was a bit skewed because he had beaten me into such submission. I was I was just steeled in the fire that that first performance you saw, Dave, was 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 kind of like a fallacious confidence booster because after that gig, man, I went out into the L.A. scene and i started gigging at the comedy store the you know improv here yep. molo a lot of the big you know stand up venues here and i had maybe this kind of false sense of confidence cuz that first show was <laughs> yeah. so good yeah and i had some good shows and i had some ones where i just fucking bombed right. like crickets where you that feel it's 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 tough for mental health man that that industry because when you get the kind of applause and 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 the stuff when you're rocking it on a euphoric yeah and the next night you bomb it can really fuck with your head
2: yeah so is that (laughs) is that something you you're looking to continue to pursue like will you once obviously we've got a lot of things going on with the the virus and all that kind of stuff going on but once things sort of normalize is that something you plan to return to
3: yeah. I really okay. do miss it. Okay. I, I, I miss being on a stage. I miss performing in front of people. That's probably the thing, you know, that that's the thing that really is like lifeblood to me, man. It's, it's interesting. I feel even though I want to sham it when I'm up there, which yeah. I, I do, I just want to just simultaneously vomit and, and defecate myself. Uh, <laughs> I somehow thrive on that feeling and welcome it. And I, I, I feel more at home on a stage in front of people than I do in a lot of other contexts of life. It's a bit strange, but uh, I miss that. I do miss being on a stage. So as soon as things open up, man, uh, I, I have a hankering to get back to it for sure. Have you awful. been
1: working on new material that that you can take up there, or are <clears throat> I mean, have you? I mean, we're all just hanging out at home. So are you are you talking into a mirror? Or are you are you working up new material? <laughs>
3: Kinda, yeah. I, I have, I have like a secret. Eh, well, secret. It's not a secret anymore because I just talked about it. I have a journal <laughs> with, uh, with all my stuff, and, and you know, I, I, I do have some, some stuff. Uh, you know, I have some foreskin jokes. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Calamari. I I, 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 I have some, uh, some funny stories about uh, at age forty-three, finally realizing I was a Jew, which I didn't know for the previous forty-three years of my life. That was a fascinating revelation. <laughs> oh. um, yeah. I was like, by the way, you're Jewish. Which is we have to take your foreskin now. Sorry. Um, Yeah. But uh, but I do have a lot of. I weren't
0: doing much with it anyway. Probably so. Well,
3: as a kid, I was. As a kid, (laughs) you'd be surprised. No, man. Listen, listen. When 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 your penis looks like snuffleupagus. Yeah. You learn at a young age you can hide peanut M and M's in there, sweet tarts. You can smuggle your pop rocks into class. (laughs) God, I s- I've life. smuggled a lot of shit in there in my day, man. Honestly, I really
1: have. Hey, bird. Hey, this is Mr. <laughs> Stop. Stop <laughs> playing with me so much, Jason. <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right. I'm so, sorry. So, so we're we're just about out of time here. But I, the, Jason, I do want to, I want to put forth a challenge. We'd love to have you back on, and this is what I would like to do. So, sure. I'm not vegan. Tracy's not vegan. Steve's not vegan. I would love to have you hit us with a recipe that's easy to make that you think we would enjoy. We will all separately make it the night that we have you back and we will taste it for the first time on the air because I'm not. Listen, I'm not against a a vegan at all. If that's if that's your thing in the area that we live in, they're, they're actually really common, as I'm sure they are in the Los Angeles area. So it's not it's not a a big deal, but at the same time, that's not me. Like I've spent my entire life eating, like you say, the meat, the bacon, all that kind of stuff, and I've I don't know that I would ever break away from it. But I could be swayed, and I'd like to be swayed if that's an option. So, Steve, you wanted to add something?
1: I I, I just want to add to that. I think this is a great idea, <laughs> as long as you know Jason's game. We're totally, but um, I I would love it to be um vegan pizza because I I want. To crack the vegan pizza sauce, we got hooked on a vegan pizza down in Olympia, and I I want to know. I want to know. I want to know the secret. So I will.
3: I will. I will send. Here's what I'll do. I'll email you guys uh, a PDF copy of my cookbook. I'll send you the best pizza recipe I I can find, and I also want to throw in. I'm not paid by this brand. I should be though. Uh, Do you guys know about Rao's? R A O's. No okay Uh, yeah no sorry okay so the so you talk about pizza sauce right i could i could i could send you like a pizza sauce recipe to make from scratch but dude this this jar of pizza sauce is so unbelievably freaking good okay i mean i don't even even make my own pizza sauce anymore that's how damn good this brand is so so if you're gonna pick it up pick up raos raos it's 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 like, I, you know, I want to just inject it into my veins intravenously. <laughs> yeah, I just yeah, want to yeah. fill a bathtub yeah. with it yeah. and put strippers in the bathtub because they're on a <laughs> right now and just do like a marinara pizza bath and go viral with that. I just had a great new video. Thanks, fellas. Thanks, fellas.
2: That one's going to get a couple of eyeballs without a doubt. Uh, Jason, uh, one more time. Thank you so much for being on the show. We're going to add for everybody listening. We're going to put your links in the description of the show. We will definitely make sure this is part of any promotion that we do around the show. So you'll be able to find him, but just in case let people know where they can find you and please spell your last name because I struggled with, I had to actually go watch a video to make sure I was saying your last name correctly.
3: Okay. Yeah. So it's jasonrobel.com And the last name is spelled W R O B E L. Uh, and people can also check out my podcast, which is called this might get uncomfortable all about mental health and uh, the strange experience of being in a human body. So check out that podcast uh, because we got a lot of cool topics there too. Excellent.
2: Jason, we hope to have you back on soon. This was great. Uh, We really appreciate it. And we've got lots of additional questions the next time you come on. So once again, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jason Robel.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thanks a lot.
2: (laughs) Once again, we want to thank Mr. Jason Robel for joining us on the Dave and Steve Show fantastic interview. We're going to take a very quick break. We'll be right back on the Dave and Steve show.
3: I wake up every day and I don't know what's going to happen.
2: Sometimes my boss gets fired up and calls me into his office. What's that about?
0: I won a bunch of money in the lottery. I got really excited. What is wrong with
1: me? Millions of Americans live with these symptoms every day. Some don't even know they're suffering. My baby cries sometimes I can relate,
2: but other times she's quiet. I get that too. Sometimes I don't want pizza.
1: Chances are that you and everyone you have met are good candidates for Gerdatin XR. March into your doctor's office and demand Gerdatin XR today. If they resist, go to another doctor.
0: I think it's getting better. I think.
1: I still wake up every day, but now I know what's going to happen. I'm going to take Grudatin
2: XR. Grudatin XR has been proven to cause side effects in most of the users of the medication, which you still want to take it anyway. Side effects include vomiting, aging, diarrhea, constipation, constipation followed by diarrhea, winning children's board games, swollen feet, serious diarrhea, skin rash, sweaty eyes, lopsided nipples, aversion to campfire songs, awesome fingernails, 180 degree dunking, craving of chicken fried steak. Hurt feelings, shingles, cancer, more diarrhea, charley horse, writer's cramp, water in the knee, anything the operation patient had, kite flying, clogged ear ducts, swearing, arthritis, bloating, heartburn, gas, nocturnal emission, sore throat, dry tongue, tattoos, slurpee, boondocks, duck hunt.
0: Gerdatin. just take it. The Dave and Steve Show has afforded me the opportunity to learn a great deal about myself. I learned recently that I am not a very good listener. In the last episode, Dave asked a question where I tore into a thoughtful answer and didn't answer his question at all. Now Dave, to his credit, apologized for not phrasing it correctly, but upon hearing it later, he phrased it perfectly. The problem was that I heard what I wanted to hear, so I could spout off about crap that mattered only to me. No, I wanted to apologize today for this, but it only took him about 20 minutes for him to tell me that he was surprised I didn't do a fourth news headline immediately after me finishing my fourth news headline. Then I realized he wasn't listening to me either. So screw him. This has been Tracy's I think only Steve is actually listening to anyone minute
1: that is incorrect <laughs> I, I,
2: i'm going i'm going back i'm going back to listen to the show because i think you only did three
0: no i did four and i i was uh i was i was positive because i thought oh which one did i miss i mean because thought well you know maybe it happened but uh um, the the fact of the matter is is that uh, we talk a lot. We don't listen nearly as, as well as we think we do. And I, I think when you hear yourself in a podcast or you just hear yourself, uh, how many times have you ever been in an argument with somebody and said, I wish I could have recorded you. You could have heard what you said, but yeah. now,
2: well, now we do. And- and, and and listen, Steve, I know what you're doing. You're pretending like you're not listening. I get it. Yeah. But, yeah. but it t- was funny, though. It was you, funny, though, you, right? You yes. two, two wagons have to talk into a mic i have to handle the sound effects i have to handle the recording and the stopping of the recording i have to monitor time tonight i have to make sure we stay under 40 minutes because we had to switch to stupid zoom i've got things that i'm juggling i apologize if i'm not always listening because i got other shit to manage (laughs) around here you guys literally just have to talk into a mic of course i'm not going to listen all the time
0: uh Uh, you're a good listener
2: i uh, well i mean i don't know you chose this life i did choose this life (laughs) i did i did choose this life uh i'm not sure why i chose this life but yes i i i knew what i was getting into and i'm i'm squarely in what i knew i was getting into help
0: us this is something that i think would help us if we could have a life coach on the show right Somebody who could, you know, guide us in some directions. Not just, uh, not just in. Uh, uh, I think, I think when Jason comes back on the show, I think he, we have some, uh, maybe some uh, life hacks that he can give us to help us get beyond this moment. Okay,
2: to be clear, yeah. he's not a couples counselor. He's, he's not going to be able to help us with <laughs> that's those. A, that's good us. because we're a throuple.
1: <laughs> we're not a couple. We're a throuple, and it's weird. Uh,
2: so I, I want to. We're gonna. Because we had the interview, uh, and we've already clocked in plenty of time, we've already given you more entertainment than you can handle or you're fit to deserve. I I wanted to uh, I wanted to check in real quick to find out if you guys did anything. I'm j- this this week. I'm just going to collectively ask out loud of the group: Did you do anything worth talking about on the show this week? I didn't well, no, think so.
0: No, absolutely not. There was there wasn't anything of uh, of any consequence at all.
1: Rash, watch. 2021 um, it's still here. It's crawling all over my body. It's moving. It's still itchy. It's weak too. If you and, guys, uh, if
2: you guys didn't listen to last week's show, Steve ate some dates that gave him a rash. <laughs> Steve, have you, have you consulted a physician yet or did you just do the right thing? The, the smart thing and look at the internet?
1: I just did the internet. Okay. Um, I've, I've had allergies all my life. Um, And I don't need to risk, you know, giving my doctor COVID-19 or contracting COVID-19 by going and listening to the, the, the stuff I know he's going to say, oh, well, you know, I could give you like a steroid or something, but it eh, might work, whatever, might not. I have cortisone cream. That's about what it's going to be. So
2: what, what, what kind of strip mall doctor do you go to? <laughs> <laughs> I like my doctor. He's a good doctor.
1: Um, but, uh, it's just, it's just an allergy rash. Um, it's got to run its course. Well, it looks wonderful on you. Uh, if you don't mind me saying, thank you.
2: So, so the one thing I will say, I, Tracy and I were talking about this a little bit off the air. Uh, the one thing I will say, and I'm, I'm mainly saying this to the two of you, but I'm saying this to the listener as well. So I watched mm-hmm. three different documentaries over the last couple of days Highly recommend them all. I've definitely seen some stinker documentaries. These were all fantastic. The first one was called Mean Man. I think it's got a subtitle of like the story of Chris Holmes. But it follows the where is the former uh, guitar player for the 80s rock band Wasp. Where is he now? And uh, spoiler alert, life hasn't been great to Chris Holmes, the former lead guitar player of the 80s band Wasp. Uh, But this chronicles where he's at, how he's trying to reinvigorate his career. Uh, And it's just you don't have to know Wasp. You don't have to really know anything other than it's a guy late in life realizing that he's made some choices that have sent him on a certain path. And he's trying to sort of turn things around again. So, Steve, you're smirking.
1: I'm just wondering if he's baking pies for Perkins or something.
2: Uh, Almost. Uh, So the second one is the one that I think you guys will really dig. So the second one is called uh, Empty Pockets and Bloody Noses. It could be the reverse. It could be Bloody Noses and Empty Pockets now that I think about it. But I, I think it's Bloody Noses and Empty Pockets. It's on um, – I, I rented it off iTunes. It was like five bucks to rent and watch. But it tells the the story of – it's a – you know, Steve, when I said your are strip mall doctor, this tells the story of a shitty – awful dingy dive bar in vegas in a strip mall that is closing down and it's their last day in existence when the cameras roll and it's it starts off it even chronicles the time it says you know 8 a.m in the morning and it is literally what is going on in that bar during its last day in existence and it goes all the way through until roughly 4 a.m the following morning when things finally finally shut down there is a there's a sweetness to it there is there's a lot of human stories behind it when you initially look at it you almost feel like because often I, I try not to fall into the trap of watching a documentary that just makes me feel better about myself because the people are bigger losers than I am right and that may be sort of why I walked into it initially I don't know subconsciously but in reality when you watch this you realize how much these people care for each other and how much cuz my dad owned a bar right and right. It, you actually see this from the people in there a lot of times and it's not always the case but the core nucleus of like a bar like that is frankly just a lot of social outcasts people that either had you know family members that passed away or they've moved away from their family and they de- they've lost contact with them and they need that human interaction and they need that and yes there is drinking involved a lot of times and i get that and it's you know not great but there's also a lot of caring and a lot of family in a setting like that, and that's what this documentary focuses on. That is so good as you see all of these people that have affected each other's lives profoundly, even if it's sitting at a bar, talking to each other throughout the you know the time that this bar has been open. I went into it not expecting much, and I got emotional several several times throughout it. And it's a offend- the way that it's shot, everything about it is. Really good, so I highly recommend that one. Again, I think it's bloody noses and empty pockets, or empty pockets and bloody noses. And then the last one I watched was literally just a, a documentary on the CrossFit Games of 2020. So these <laughs> these documentaries could not be more different from one another. Yeah, the, you,
0: you didn't stick to a single genre. No, no, of, <laughs> a documentary. For and sure. the
2: CrossFit Games, I've seen, I've seen these many, many times. Uh, because there's uh, Gravitas Pictures, which is a well-known documentary company, they make these almost every year, chronicling the games of the of the CrossFit, whatever CrossFit Games, I guess, is what they're called. And I'm always blown away by how in shape these people are, and it's one of those things where I know I will never come close to that that time in my life that that opportunity to even get to half of that level of fitness is yeah, that, gone it's out the train window has sailed yes. it, it is out there. and these people do things that just crush themselves physically i mean they they run miles and miles with backpacks full of weights on to see who can get the fastest time they just do incredible things but there's same thing there's always there's there's story and intrigue that goes along with it along the way where you're following different people who you know it, it's their last crossfit and they've been doing it their whole lives and now they got to figure out what to do next and all that so that they're one go,
0: they're gonna go to a bar
2: yeah they're gonna go to a dive bar so ranked in order i would say the the one about the bar first the chris holmes one second and then finish it off with the crossfit if you really want to feel bad about yourself because those people are way better than the the three of us on this call they are way better
0: yeah i think i'll stay away from that one though but uh chris holmes seems to be very high on my list right very good
2: right so that's that's it i just wanted to throw those three little nuggets out if you're looking for something to watch especially during the covid uh those three are good options
1: I I saw something this week that I really liked it, enough to like send it to you guys because it I don't I, I didn't know what the hell you were talking about. So there's this show on call. It's like a it's a dramedy, I guess, is what you'd call it. Um, But it's it's called Resident Alien and it stars Alan. I, I can't I can never say his last name. Correct. Today, Ted Tatek, um um T u d y k. I believe it's oh, pronounced- Alan Thick. Yes, I'm,
0: Alan Thick, the Canadian
2: guy. <laughs> <laughs> Show
1: I, I, me that smile
2: okay. I believe it's pronounced me. Quartermain.
1: Quartermain. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Alan Quartermain is. Uh, he plays this. Um, he plays this alien that shows up that takes over this doctor's persona at this lake cabin, and he gets recruited by the nearby town in Colorado, the small town to come in and do an autopsy and figure out, you know, why this guy died um, if he was murdered or, you know,
2: whatever. Anyway, it, what, what, it's, what is it? What service is it on?
1: Um, I think it's, on it's, on, it's well, yeah, who, but Hulu, sci-fi yeah.
2: puts it sci-fi. out, yeah. gotcha. um,
1: but it is, um, he's such a great, Um, character actor Uh, he has been in so he was in the star wars rogue one he played the um the smart ass droid um the imperial droid that they reprogrammed um he was hilarious he was the best part of that movie um he he's been in like firefly he's been in like a ton of different stuff you you would definitely know this guy so he plays this alien and the thing is is like The character is morally ambiguous. It's like, wow, he's not human. You don't he doesn't have the same values that everybody else has. So it doesn't matter. But he's just trying to, you know, complete his mission. And it's it's hilarious. Um, I I, I laughed a lot. It's 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 really odd humor. And that's what made me giggle. So if you're um, like
2: if you're like me and you don't trust Steve when he says things like this, I just went and looked it up. It's got an 8.4 out of 10 on IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes. It sits at a 96%. So I know you don't trust Steve. I don't either. But according right. to the reviewers, it's actually really good. You
1: shouldn't. You shouldn't trust right. me. But, uh, um, but I really liked it. And I thought it was hilarious. And um, I think they're watching the second episode today. So, um, is which it, means is, I,
2: I So here's something that I've run into. And then we'll move on to the headlines because we got to get going. But – I have a serious question because this is something i have now found and i'm not sure where this came from i cannot watch what are effectively pg-13 i don't know the tv ratings for shows anymore i can't what i need i need mature content i need swearing i need violence i need those types of things as soon as i see that something i've been i've been so accustomed to the breaking bads and all of those types of very serious and very adult drama shows that the moment something is less than that in terms of age rating, it turns me off and I'm not sure how to break out of that.
1: Uh, Well, I went the other way. Like I saw so much violence and people just getting shot in the head and stuff like that on TV. I just, I have a hard time watching that stuff anymore. And it's gotta be a really compelling story for me to, you know, be into watching murder and stuff. And there's murder on this show so i'm like mm, okay. i think I, th- I
0: think if i've learned anything tonight dave you have to kind of gradually go off of it and yeah. <laughs> and, and give yourself like a four-year plan to sort four of like year.
2: four years yeah yeah this and is this, great i like kind of the, commit to it yeah i like the callback here this is really good <laughs> uh tracy you know what else i like your headlines And now straight from the Dave and Steve show news desk in beautiful, Anytown, USA Plaza. It's Tracy green with this week's headline.
0: Our first story, a new study finds maybe having a dad bod isn't such a bad thing. After all researchers from the Ohio state university say people who have entered adulthood at a normal weight and start to pack on pounds later in life, actually live the longest.
2: So so my kids and I we've been watching wrestling. And if you if you know professional wrestling, of course they all have amazing bodies. But there are a couple of wrestlers who don't have quite the same amazing bodies. Maybe they're a little bit older or whatever might or they just they're just not they're genetically not predisposition to have those kinds of amazingly cut bodies or they're not taking steroids. But
0: they're still beautiful in their own way.
2: But my kids, my kids both refer to them as dad bods. Oh, here comes dad bod. And when I look at these people, I'm like, I don't look like that. I'm not, I'm not anywhere close to that, that shape. So you guys have a very skewed perspective of what a dad bod is. I will take my shirt off right now and I will show you little sons of bitches. What a, a dad bod is because it ain't what you're seeing on the TV right there. That guy's actually pretty ripped.
1: <laughs> I I think you just called your wife something that.
2: Is, oh, she knows it. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: mean,
0: but a team of uh, sociology professors at the university team looked at two generations of Americans, following the residents of one city in Massachusetts and their children for nearly 70 years. Now, their findings reveal young adults with a healthy body uh, mass index. Who gradually become overweight but never obese have the greatest lifespans. These adults even lived longer than those who kept a normal BMI throughout their whole <laughs> life. I think I was gonna say bowel movement or something. I wasn't exactly sure what uh, stopped the show.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I That's... I am desperately I am desperately trying to fight against the dad bod. But I also know that it's, you can't turn back the hands of time. Like it is, I'm fighting an uphill battle at this point. Things are just naturally starting to sag and droop and do the things that they do. And it's just a lot harder to keep weight off, metabolism changes, all that kind of stuff. I will say this one thing I'm seriously considering is the testosterone treatment stuff. I've heard nothing but great things about this. I wanna look into it, but what I've also heard is it's insanely expensive. Steve's giving the thumbs up.
1: It's not expensive. Go to your doctor, get it it tested, find out. Um, It's a whole big macho thing where uh, guys don't go and do it because they don't want to know that they don't have testosterone. But when your testosterone levels drop, other things in your body happen. Um, And one of it is you gain some weight because your energy is down and your cholesterol will go up. But if you go on the testosterone treatments, I, it's okay. Guess what? I, I'm on the testosterone treatments. Um, you use a gel and you put it on your arm. You can't, there's really not a testosterone pill that really works. It just, my doctor's like, don't buy those. (laughs) It's, that doesn't work. I I would love a
0: frozen concentrate. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's, it's, it doesn't quite absorb like that. So I put it on my shoulder and my arm in the morning. Um, and then it soaks in, uh, but,
2: I'm pretty sure Tracy just pulled out a deep ass twisted sister reference right there. That's, yes, you did. He he yes, pulled out a I, line I from be cruel to your school and inserted yes. it into your testosterone story, Steve. I'm sorry. I please totally, and
1: I totally just, <laughs> just, just, just right over the top. Please, um,
2: please continue.
1: Well, it's so I went, you know, I, I, I went to the doctor, I had it tested and he's like, oh yeah. He's like, not only is this testosterone level low, but so is this one and you need you need both and here's what you do um you were like six months from being a
0: woman i think (laughs) is that what he he said
1: well i mean (laughs) i i went a long time just kind of being you know low energy and not inspired and the testosterone really helped um i mean it really it didn't make me more aggressive it didn't make me you know
2: now you say it helped have you stopped or is it no, helping? It, it's helping. Okay, I, yeah, I was curious because so. you said helped, and I thought maybe you were already done with it.
1: Well, it it did so, and the rest of my numbers um, looked really good, like right in the range where they needed to be. My cholesterol number was um, a little high in the past; it's it had been really high, but it was it was just in the um, you know concern stage, um, and and I said, so you know what. You know, what can be done about that? And he said, well, actually, if you get your testosterone, um, handled and, and all that, he said that might even just fix itself. Um, that's how much of an effect your testosterone has on the other parts of your, um, physiology. So you should definitely talk to your doctor because you'll get it. Um, you'll get it prescribed to you. You may have to have a permission done of it or something like that. And you can, so I have a great story about going to um, the weird pharmacy. It's called a comp, like a compound pharmacy, right? You have to make, they make it right there. Right. And it was a little expensive, but it wasn't like what it was going to be to get the treatments. And they, this person made a whole bunch of syringes for me. And, and I just, goop it onto my arm and rub it onto the arm. But it was a weird, it was a weird vibe. Like it was like, Oh, come around to the back, make sure right. you knock on the door. And you know, it was a totally weird deal, but it was fun. Can and... you,
2: can you take it if you're also on Gerdatin?
1: Um, it, it's, it actually enhances the Gerdat. Oh, great. Oh, that's interesting.
2: Great. You know. Yeah. great. Yeah. They,
1: they work in parallel. Um, you should, you should, you should definitely try Gerdatin
2: XR. Okay. Yeah. Tracy on to story number four. Canopy Growth.
0: Corporation Rolled out a new line of cannabis infused soft chews and drops for dogs on Thursday, a week after the launch of similar products from partner and lifestyle guru Martha Stewart that recorded robust sales. Canopy's line of chews for dogs, Surety Pro, will include soft chews marketed under four different categories, calm, active, multi, and healthy aging.
2: So I could see these being beneficial. As an example, my mom has a smaller dog. And if there is any type of gunshot, loud boom, firework, whatever it might be, that dog is a nervous wreck for the next four hours minimum, just from one loud boom. And so I could see these being very beneficial to, at that point, give the dog and let it just go kind of chill out a little bit. Um, I, I, I would have a hard time not just eating them myself if I <laughs> if I had a bag full of of THC dog treats I would absolutely be popping those myself like it would be one one like one for you five for me uh, six more for me uh, so I, I don't know but I wanted to ask you guys because this, this made me think how much do you guys in your opinions how much do you think like those dogs that freak out around fireworks and things like that how much of that do you think is owner versus predisposition of the dog the breed whatever it might be and the reason that i asked this is i've had small dogs big dogs etc who have never had issues with things like fireworks but the reason they've never had issues with fireworks is because when a dog starts to freak out and a firework goes off in my house i not a firework goes off in my house <laughs> the, the, the dog, the dog <laughs> yeah the dog freaks out in my house but the firework goes off outside i always just go knock it off. Come here and lay down. You're fine. And I, you know, I pet them and things, but I don't, I don't do the, Oh my gosh, are you okay? Oh yeah. Let's get you. I don't coddle them. And so I don't know if that is what has allowed me to not have a dog that acts like that. Cause I guarantee my mom does do that when her dog freaks out or is it a breed thing?
1: It's hard to say. Um, it could be a bit of both. Um, it, it actually might not even be a breed thing. It might just be like a a disposition, something happened, you know, if something happened that triggers that, um, you know, I, like, I don't know what happened to a couple of my dogs before we got them. Like one of my dogs, um, when there's just a little bit of smoke in the house, if we like make a steak on the stove and, and it, uh. like the oil smokes up just a little Mm -hmm. bit that dog freaks the hell out and goes and runs and hides under the bed that is a very specific kind of fear and it's like i wonder was it in a fire or something like that
0: that dog worked in a uh a factory that mm-hmm. made uh, smoke detectors <laughs> that's, is what pr- I think. that's
1: probably what happened yeah but um but yeah i mean you, you don't know if if they had some kind of trauma that came along with it so i think it's i think it's a mix of stuff but Good. yeah absolutely if they know if they've been conditioned that if something like that goes off and they cowered they're going to get a whole bunch of attention right
0: mm. right yeah canopy claims the products help make dogs calmer improve joint health and flexibility induce healthy aging and enhance physical and mental well-being while reducing the possibility of biting the owner's penis. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, story number 2, Tracy.
0: Uh the, the Los Angeles Police Department has arrested six people for allegedly altering the famous Hollywood sign so it read Hollyboob.
2: How how that's a that's a massive sign. How do you do that?
0: Yeah, the prank occurred early Monday afternoon in the Hollywood Hills. The six-person uh, group covered the letters W and D to look like the letter B by affixing what appeared to be tarps to the sign, according to reports.
2: Now, I can I can take the journey with you on changing the D to a B. I don't know how you get from the W to a B. That's a that's a uh, that's, uh, a, that's a fair amount of work. What it look
0: like in the pictures is that they had prepared large tarps which covered uh, the entire letter so they didn't Got, modify oh, the letter, gotcha, but they, gotcha, they, gotcha. they covered okay. it so from a distance so as you look at the hollywood sign from a distance it would look um yeah you know, hey look what they uh did
1: yeah, the, to this yeah. so as as a practical joker uh, as somebody that that pulls pranks and stuff like that this sounds like it's a hell of a lot of work for not a lot of payoff yeah like it's like it's like it's like it's a really terrible joke, but it took six people, and you know they planned this for a long yeah, time. Yeah,
2: I was thinking the same thing. The ingenuity and planning involved in this meets what is a terrible outcome. It's a it's just a lame duck joke at the end of it.
0: Yeah, I I just think if you're home a lot, and I think they might be, uh, <laughs> this is right? kind of the stuff that happens. You're just home, just popping. Uh, thc dog treats and <laughs> I, it's not long before you know you come up with this great ideas so. i
1: always wish i could see the stats of just stuff like how many person hours went into this like right. it just it just clicks up on the side you see oh wow they spent 137 hours yeah. collectively doing this <laughs> and, it's, so, and it's really stupid Five
0: men and one woman were taken into custody on suspicion of misdemeanor trespassing. According to Los Angeles Times, they were later issued citations and released on their own recognizance.
2: Hmm. All right. Hit us with your first story, Tracy.
0: In a story that's certainly not child's play, the Texas Department of Public Safety has apologized for mistakenly issuing an Amber Alert that said the killer doll featured in the 1988 <laughs> horror film Child's Play it was the suspect in the kidnapping of his 5-year-old son Glenn Ray who was featured in Seed of Chucky
1: a real amber that that is yeah. that is not going to hopefully this isn't some you know great marketing you know, right? Thing. And they're like, "Oh, yeah, well, you know what? We're gonna hijack the Amber Alert." This was the That's...
2: second prank from the people who brought brought you Holly Boob. Yes, <laughs> exactly. The,
0: emer- <laughs> the emergency alert described Chucky as three foot one, <laughs> doll wearing blue denim overalls <laughs> with multicolored striped long sleeve shirt, wielding a huge kitchen knife. The alert was mistakenly sent out three times last week to Amber Amber Alert subscribers. The agency said it was a test malfunction
2: i <sighs> those so i've only seen the first one i remember at the time it actually was well done and freaked me out i don't know that it would hold up if i went back i think it's i think it's probably pretty stupid but maybe i'm wrong and didn't they remake that did they remake like the the original
0: yeah i think so and th- th- these have always kind of been off my radar a little bit they've never interested me and i i mean i like th- just Never really interested me. And so uh, I have never saw the original, um, but I have seen Footloose.
2: <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> and that's the news, fellas. There it is.
2: That's what I was waiting for, Tracy. All right, we're going to wrap things up. Uh, I, I want to reiterate uh, how much we appreciated having Jason Robel on the show. Fantastic guest. We're going to have him back on. We're going to try Steve's idea with the pizza uh, and see what we come up with. The other thing that you guys should know as listeners is (laughs) we went through at least seven circles of hell trying to bring you this show tonight between (laughs) microphone problems and technical difficulties and the host being down and all of the issues. We even we even had one. I won't even say who it was. We had a member of the show almost poop himself. So there were many things that happened tonight along the way. And we still got a show in the can and out to you because that's how much we love you. So
0: Yes, absolutely. Bef-
2: before we wrap things up, I want to remind you that we've got show 50 on the horizon. Steve has graciously agreed to, uh, to do another stunt. Graciously. Just like, just like he did for the 50th show the first time around. <laughs> uh, we're going to, we've got plans in place now to where we're, we're not even going to need a crowd. We've got a few things that we have cooked up uh involving steve a motorcycle and a lot of plywood uh so you guys just just stay tuned we've got something big on the horizon uh that's show number 50 that comes up in a little bit and one of the things that we talked about is we're going to do another special show in the not too distant future but i don't want to ruin the surprise so keep listening every week because we've got a (laughs) few we've got a few surprises on the way uh before we wrap things up steve anything else to add
1: no but i notice at the end of the show when you ask if i have anything else to add i say no and then i add something just which like is tonight. what i just did tonight yeah
2: so there you go it's really good tracy how about you
0: uh sunshine coming this
2: weekend and i'm looking forward to getting outside a little bit so yeah i got some yard work to do so i'm not really looking forward to it all right for steve for tracy for me dave we'll talk to you next time right here on the dave and steve show <laughs>